Hello and welcome to the first podcast of Active Learning for Health Science Educators and Students. I am your host, Dr. Michael Leach. This episode is designed for teachers and students of anatomy and physiology. The title of this podcast is How to Succeed in Anatomy and Physiology, Active Learning for the Engaged Student and Teacher. First, I'd like to introduce to you my featured guest, Pam Chamales, who is a fellow professor of anatomy and physiology at Santa Fe College. I'm delighted to have you on this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your time and energy in participating in this. So to give context for this talk, we'll be discussing active learning and teaching techniques for anatomy and physiology. So Pam, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I have been teaching for about eight years now, and my background is in biomedical sciences. I um, have a concentration in biochemistry and molecular biology. Um, but all of my teaching experience has been at the college level and I've worked at small colleges with students of diverse backgrounds. So I've had a lot of experience working with students straight out of college uh, or straight out of high school who have transitioned to college not really knowing what to expect. And then I've also had returning students who have attempted college once weren't that successful, kind of took a break and then returned for a second attempt and they're like ready to go, really fired up. I have students who are sort of stumbling around, kind of not sure where they're headed yet. Mm -hmm. It's quite the experience to try to work with them all. So that's a good segue into the first component of the student section as far as active learning for students. I know that you've developed some really cool techniques for active learning for students based around activities. Could you tell me a little about that? So when we think about active learning from the student perspective, we, we really need to, as a student approaching new material, challenging material, it's really important to assess like our level of comfort with the material and how much we're willing to take on ownership of learning the material. And some students will find that they're ready to dive right in. And other students find that, you know, when they're hearing new terminology in class or they, you know, they're sitting in class for the first time, that they feel overwhelmed and they feel distant from the material. Like, it's hard for them to connect with it. And so we want to, as educators, we want to get all of our students really comfortable with the material. And then as students, we have to take some ownership of, like, how am I going to, approach this so that I can get really comfortable with it. And so I have a, a lot of suggestions for students as they go into their own studying and their own learning. So we can go through some of those. Yes. Okay. So the first one you have mentioned before mm -hmm. is repetition. So when students study, one of the things, especially in anatomy and physiology, is that they're learning a lot of new terminology that is sometimes intimidating. And repetition, when we do repetition on our own in a meaningful way, like when it's time to study, I want to take my, my list of terms or my list of structures that I need to know and study them repetitively, but in a way that's going to really land for me and allow me to to take on that material and make it my own so this is going to look different for every student mm -hmm. but i encourage students to be creative with how they're going to do this so 
one of the things we teach in the first, even in the first week of our anatomy lab, and I mentioned this to you earlier, is those different body regions. Mm-hmm. And for some students, this could look like repetitively labeling them on a diagram, but it might be more meaningful if we were to say, okay, well, what's the significance of learning this? Right. Like when a patient comes in and we need to describe where is their pain, we want to be able to say it's in this region of mm-hmm. the body. So as a student, I might go home and study this like, okay, pain is in my antecubital region, pain's mm-hmm. in the brachial region, pain's in the axillary region. Um, and point to those structures on the body, make this a little bit more active, check my answers as I'm going, check to make sure I'm not forgetting structures, check to make sure I'm pronouncing them correctly and spelling them correctly. You have consistent repetition. I think that's like what I'm hearing as well. Yeah. And then like you've also said before, like making it meaningful. How you could think of like what's a huge one for us in A and P is creation of mnemonics. I've been trying to work on that more lately. Not so much my mnemonic. You guys make up your own mnemonic. Mm-hmm. And then on some level, it will create some sort of resonance. They'll most likely remember it more. So I like that. Um, you've also mentioned creating and drawing flow charts. Yeah. So this is something that I think gives students flexibility to be creative with. But, you know, when we learn a process in class, it's sometimes it's a series of steps, right? Um, sensory receptor detects a stimulus then the afferent neuron sends a signal to the brain and the steps proceed from there. So how can we, how can we study this in a way that is, is visually memorable to us? Or um, how can we study this in a way that we can internalize it and then make meaning out of it so that on the test we score a high grade? So drawing our own flowchart or drawing our own diagram. I've seen you know, many of my students this semester drawing their own cross-section of the spinal cord with the ventral, ner- uh, the ventral nerve root and the dorsal root and drawing neurons inside and showing arrows that depict which way the signals are going. So if we make our own diagrams or even take a diagram from the book and then make it our own, annotating it with functions and structures that tends to give us a little bit more attention on that topic. What I'm hearing you say is a lot of upper level Bloom's taxonomy, organizational higher order thinking, thinking kind of more conceptually, bigger picture type stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, really important. Like you said, asking why, what is the significance? What if this structure function was non-functional using an omission, a pathophysiologic that yeah and going off of that you know we could ask in in that example with the spinal nerves if a student as we study it's a good idea to ask ourselves okay well what if there was damage to the ventral nerve root or what if there was damage to the dorsal nerve root what how would that look different in my patient so what's the significance of this material why do I even care that I'm learning about these specific structures right Mm -hmm. in the slides there's those slides are on small of pathophysiology most most of the time those are really applicable Mm -hmm. because you have we're learning you know normal physiologic conditions and then examples of pretty well-known pathophysiologic conditions like the inability to regulate pressures in the anterior and posterior chambers resulting in glaucoma I feel like that was really, really helpful when we were learning about the structure of the eye. Mm-hmm. I think that was really, really important. I think that's good. So another thing that we mentioned before is um, classroom experiences mm-hmm. that engage all the students. Um, now you talked about earlier, like having here at Santa Fe, having more of a diverse population 
varying ages, varying experiences. How could you, like what kind, what kind of activity would you use as an example mm -hmm. um, that could really engage all the students? Yeah, there's endless possibilities. Like when I'm thinking about engaging all the students in the classroom, I try to stay like in a, a creative space because sometimes I attach to one activity and then I get bogged down with that and I realize, oh, this isn't actually working that well. So uh, it is important to like be creative and like look for new solutions. So um, one of the things that I've started doing just this semester in a more frequent manner is before class, I come to class with a, a series of questions and they're usually harder questions and they relate to uh, pathology so that they kind of pique the student's interest, mm -hmm. right? Because students are, they're interested in like, oh, what's this condition that I've heard about, right? So um, come to class with that list ready-made. And I always ask some kind of leading questions up to the most difficult question. And then I give those questions to the students and I have them break out into groups. So mm -hmm. groups of two or three, usually not bigger because you'll find some students don't participate, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then um, I will ask the question, the students to try to answer the questions on their own first, then answer them as a group and come to a consensus mm. on what they've decided is, is correct for those. And then um, give them a limited amount of time for group discussion. So I give them a very specific amount of time so they know what to expect. And then we go back to the large group and go through the answers together. And... I found that I can replace a whole lesson this way, especially if I've asked the students to watch a video or read a little bit about the material before class. Mm -hmm. So it helps if I give them really clear expectations. Like before you come to class, yeah. you need to watch this five minute video. Right. Before you come to class, show up with this done. Um, or you need to read you know, this page on whatever the topic is. And then once, once we're together in class, um, you know, five minutes to answer these questions on your own, 15 minutes to talk about them in the group, and then we'll, we'll reconvene. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. That's reinforcing that principle of like assigning things that are pre-lecture or pre-class time mm -hmm. that are reinforcing or hopefully growing these levels of responsibility or ownership. And so when they do come to class, they have a little bit more, not just, you know, engagement during the class, but they have the preparation and they're prepared for the discussion. Yeah. And one thing I would add is oftentimes I find like in those small groups, there are students who haven't prepared before class, right? Like they didn't, they didn't do the activity. They didn't watch the video. They didn't take the quiz. They didn't do the reading. But as we go through the questions, I will like incorporate the basics. You know, as we review that question, those questions I handed out to them, I'll go through the basics of that concept again. So the student can still pick up mm -hmm. some of the understanding and then it's their responsibility to get the rest, you know, whatever they missed or didn't complete after class. Yeah, I think that's good. And so I'm going to go into like when you started doing this activity, but um, obviously it's taken a lot of time to mm -hmm. kind of finesse out the little kinks and things like that. So like the next thing is to assess the effectiveness of it mm -hmm. and then to kind of revise as needed yeah. that activity. I think that's really, really good. So that's a good segue into as far as metapedagogy, like how 
can we be more effective as teachers, mm -hmm. like doing these type of activities, kind of trying to keep things more in the upper level of Bloom's taxonomy, making things meaningful, meaningful, significant learning experiences. So, but how can we be more efficient to induce active learning and foster uh, long-term retention, development of critical thinking mm -hmm. as anatomy and physiology professors? Yeah, I think we really have to kind of it's a practice, right? When we learn, when we were in school, we didn't learn this way. So it's, it's definitely a practice. And I like to think of myself as getting out of the way of the students learning. I like that. Mm -hmm. So it would be very easy for me to stand in front of the room and give a whole me just speaking about tubular reabsorption in, in the kidney for an hour. But if I really want the students to, to like take on the material and really learn it, then I have to, I have to think about preparing in a different way. So I have to come to class with critical thinking questions already mm. planned. Right. And then I have to encourage the students during class, I will give them suggestions like, okay, we just finished this really difficult topic. When you go home, I want you to explain this to one person. Mm. Or when you go home, I want you to write out the steps of this on paper three times. So I like to give them very like specific uh, goals to meet or like specific benchmarks. But, like when you take your quiz, your uh, check your understanding quiz on this material, I want you to aim for eight out of ten or whatever. Um, so I like to give them very specific, clear objectives or clear activities to do right after class mm -hmm. so that they can uh, reinforce the material for themselves. Yeah, I like how you also talked about kind of starting small, but then being clear mm -hmm. on your expectations. And that's something that I really cognizant about all the time when I'm coming into a lecture while I'm literally lecturing and then after class, um, but not using a cognitive bias of what, how did I think it went, but you know, next class, like, how did you guys think it worked? Like, one thing I've been trying to do from the beginning is using, like, muddiest point mm -hmm. type things, but not taking too much class time up with that, and that, that time management balancing, you know, really kind of difficult. Yeah. But I like what you said about <clears throat> being clear about expectations, but also how, like you said, also, like, uh, how, like, let them struggle, you know, mm -hmm. like, let them feel that uncomfortable. But how, could you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. So, um, let's see. So, we could do this in a couple ways. So, okay. So in the context of that active, uh, you know, engagement activity in class where the students work in small groups and they're given somewhat difficult questions, I, uh, typically in my class, about half of the groups will be getting the questions right. And the other half will be struggling. And I try not to step in too much. Mm. So I let them call me over and then I let them ask me a question and if I see their, um, you know, I'll answer their question, but if I notice they're headed down the wrong path, like, you know, as they continue to the, the discussion forward, I'll drop in a hint, like, okay, think about this factor, but I won't say more than that. So they can kind of take in, okay, oh, here's a new idea she just dropped in, or here's something she's redirecting us on. What is, what does this mean? What's mm -hmm. the meaning of that? How do I incorporate that into answering these questions? And then, like, when we let them struggle, they get more curious. So if the student is puzzling 
over the material, they are trying to figure it out. They're invested in figuring it out. Mm -hmm. So then when we reconvene as the whole class, even if they didn't get the question right, they spent time thinking about it. Mm -hmm. They spent time puzzling over it. So they're going to be more interested in hearing the answer in the end. Whereas if we just went through the questions from the beginning and I said, one student, tell me the answer to this. And the student says the answer. I said, yep, that's right. This is the answer. The other students are not invested in what that answer is. They haven't spent time thinking about it, um, you know, or spent time puzzling over it and trying to understand it. So that time when they're struggling and not answering questions correctly, that is it's almost more valuable mm-hmm. than a student just right away answering the question correctly. Yeah, because it's like you don't know how much critical thinking they have to begin with right. coming into anything, really. Um, and, you know, you know they're not going to go from zero to you know, 100 miles an hour as far as critical thinking skills go. Mm-hmm. Um, but just by creating that learning how to learn, learning how to think about learning, but teaching themselves, I mean, that's that's... I think what they can get, obviously, besides the content out of A and P, to be good health professionals, but to be able to set them up for lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. What's one more thing that you could um, offer for other faculty members? Um, I love the getting out of the way, starting small, being clear about expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, what is one more thing um, that you would? want to throw in there for other fellow faculty members that would be helpful for us as instructors? One thing that I notice that helps me a lot when I'm teaching is um, if I slow down a bit so that I can tune in to where my students are at. So um, if I am doing more of a, a lecture style lesson, it's easy to lose students and be unaware that this is happening, right? And, or even if I'm giving a quick explanation, um, after we've done our, our engaged and active learning, even if I'm giving a quick explanation after that, I can easily lose students. So um, always check back in with them. Mm-hmm. I would always you know, ask one more question. And then finally, at the end of an, a lesson like that, where I've done maybe a new activity or or I'm trying something new out in the classroom, I will uh, I'll give them a, a half sheet of paper that says rate today's activities uh, on a scale of one to five, and then like compare them with what we normally do in class. What's your preference? Um, I like to get that feedback from them right away because mm-hmm. this is fresh for them. We've tried something new, and. Uh, it gives me immediate feedback too. Mm-hmm. And then when I look up over their responses, um, I can also go back to that activity, do the revisions I need to on the editing side, right, right after after class. So um, yeah, always ask them more questions and get their feedback. Awesome, mm-hmm. thank you. Well, thank you so much, Pam, for your time and insight into your approaches into teaching and how to teach A&P as well as teaching students how to be more engaged and become lifelong learners. Join us again next time here on Active Learning for Health Science Educators and Students. I am your host, Dr. Leach, and my guest was Pam Chavales, and see you next time. Goodbye.